0: Thanks for being here. This is the Moms Are Not Alright podcast. I'm a mom around lots of other moms and in lots of mom groups on Facebook and just wanting to talk about all the experience I have in the least weirdest way possible, which is obviously recording myself talking in my room and publishing it publicly for all to hear. Man, what a week This last week was. I spent more time at a baseball field than anywhere else, I think. I wasn't sure what to talk about this week. I'm feeling so exhausted and only thinking of baseball lately, but I decided I wanted to talk about money again because there were things I wanted to talk about in my previous money episode that I didn't get to. And I watched the Get Rich series or the I Can Make You Rich show on Netflix. So I was feeling inspired by it this week. I am not a financial expert. There are a lot of things I believe and think and feel that people can debate. And ultimately, it's up to everyone um, based on what your goals are and philosophies. For example, like if you want to pay off debt, some people prefer listing debts by lowest to highest interest rates and paying them off in that order. Some people prefer to list des- <laughs> debts lowest balance to highest balance and pay off the loans in that order. I prefer the lowest to highest balance method because if I had paid it by order of interest, I would still be paying off the biggest loan, and other loans would still be lingering. I wanted to simplify my life and gain monthly income back by getting rid of the smaller debts first. Also, some people value wealth and some value simplicity and peace. So some people will put so much effort and work into saving a buck and others the energy and time just like isn't worth it. I'm someone who royally fucked up my financial situation in my 20s due to misinformation, just total lack of information, and learned behaviors and ideas about money that really don't serve me. I'm sorry, if I get a little preachy during this, some of these things are just like actual pain points to me, so it's hard for me not to. I started to learn about finances first through Dave Ramsey, and then I started listening to women my age because although I love Dame- Dave Ramsey's like ideas and processes, and I've learned a lot from him, I don't agree with everything he says and his worldviews. Which seems so weird that I am a mom, like working in design, not anything related to finance, listening to a financial person and I think like, "Eh, I don't really think so. (laughs) Sometimes I will hear things that just directly contradict my experiences. And people can only know and feel things from their views and experiences. And I want to listen to people who have been in my specific scenario and understand the time that I'm currently having to live in. So I followed a lot of financial Instagram accounts and started listening to other podcasts about money and economics. And, you know, the saying is, if you've studied something for 10,000 hours, you are kind of an expert. So I like to consider myself like a little bit of an expert unofficially. Today, I want to talk about my experience with credit cards, loans and retirement. Basically, boring adult stuff people don't typically talk about. I may overlap with some things I mentioned in my first episode as I ramble on. I don't have enough brain space to remember what I said in that first one. First, I'll say I am against debt, personally. Some people say there is good debt and bad debt, but I think if we took away all the windy rules and systems and egos everyone has, debt wouldn't really serve the purpose it does right now. And debt and interest like the interest on debt seems like the only way like the only system like this is just how it is but there are actually other countries and religions that do not believe in interest and they have systems that um, do not have interest on the debt and places that do not have these elaborate debt rankings and systems in place that cause people to even need debt in the first place like education and medical debt but in the world i live in right now there are purposes to debt and credit one being the credit score which i like fundamentally think is fucked up i understand wanting to know the risk of someone or like the likelihood of payment back and responsibility of the borrower But it keeps poor people more poor and rich people, it helps make more rich. Like a discount for having money. It feels a little off balance to me. Also, no credit score is somehow also bad. I feel like someone who goes through life without accumulating debt would be like a good thing, considering they can avoid the debt culture we are all sort of thrown into from teenhood but you need credit to get a loan and although you can avoid a lot of loans typically people don't have 400k laying around to buy a house in cash and you'll need a mortgage loan and not everyone has the circumstances to avoid student loan debt i didn't have credit at 18 And because of that, I was landed with a 13% interest rate on one of my loans, which just grew every month despite making monthly payments. Something that really grinds my gears about loans is there's literally 0% risk for them. You cannot get out of a student loan unless you die. There's no going bankrupt, no avoiding payments. They can legally garnish your wages and taxes. Like, those loans will be paid. It feels so predatory to punish kids for simply like not having money for education. There's just like to me, it seems like there's no reason for an interest. There's no real risk. Like these kids are so young. The people who, who are taking out these loans are young. It's not like they have like a short life expectancy of paying them back either. A thread on my local mom's page really triggered me this week. It was a post by someone asking about student loans for their child. I saw a lot of suggestions that I just rolled my eyes at that I read and I just did not think were helpful. And lots of people were saying them. The suggestions and comments that sent me like spiraling were people suggesting to apply for grants and scholarships I was a higher chance candidate to get a scholarship due to being the head of household. I was a single mom and because I was over a certain age and had a baby, like that helped me qualify for more things and I had good grades and I applied for everything under the sun. I got maybe 10K of grants. I got 10K Pell Grant that, you know, I don't have to pay back or I didn't have to pay back. I, like the amount of interest and how much my loan has grew has like overshadowed that. And I won a couple other small scholarships along the way for like $1,000 each here and there for my specific field of study. And after all that, I still have 60K in loans. So please don't like rely on just that. Like if that's your only plan, you might have to think of something else as well and I'm not saying don't apply for these like go ahead shoot your shot but uh, it's just they're so unlikely and honestly I always felt like when I was applying to things I'm like "Uh, is this a scam like is this even real there's like websites and lists you can check but I'm like am I just giving them my email to like spam me with ads I don't know the whole thing seems sketchy but maybe if your child is Like, excelled in a sport, you have a chance. But I'm not really sure about any of those. My kids are definitely probably not going to qualify for any of that. Second thing that feels like a myth is, or like, just like a misguided comment and suggestion, is when people say, go to a trade school. You don't have to go to college. But I went to a cheapo depot trade school where they had auto mechanics and construction. I went for interior design. And it was still like 18000 a year. I didn't stay at a dorm. I drove an hour each way because it was just like the cheapest school I could go to. And I didn't need to like take any tests or be accepted by anything. I just like signed up and then I went. <laughs> and then when I like finished and got out into the working world at design firms, I first had to work for totally free like so fucked up and then it got moved up to 10 an hour and then my first salary job was like 35,000 a year. And now only a decade later have I like worked it up to be able to like live now. Another suggestion I saw was to go to a community college or a state school versus private and yes, it's cheaper but i feel like people don't understand that it's still very expensive if you don't have money it's still going to be like 15 to 20k a year on average when all is said and done i saw a lot of people unsure about information around student loans so i can tell you what i know from my experience which is that like my income will be taken into consideration for loans that my dependents take out even if I'm not contributing doesn't matter there is no question that says like are you giving them income towards school because it's like we're talking about teenagers that live at home and have entry-level jobs and if you don't don't co-sign for your child's loans then they are getting loans with like zero credit history and will get really high percentage rates like me how i plan to sort of help this is add my child to my credit card when he starts working and he'll hopefully be able to get my score and build a little bit of credit and my score right now is pretty high it's in the 800s and i don't want to sign him up too far in advance i know some people do but um i don't know i get a little nervous because what if for some reason i tank my credit like I don't see that happening, but I just never know what lies ahead, you know? And I don't want to mess up his credit, so I'll wait till we're like closer, but at least he'll have something to go off of. One other thing I want to mention, because I feel like people get confused about this, is that FAFSA is not a grant or free money. It's also a loan. Like I saw a lot of people commenting on this thread, like listing different types of aid, and they like separated FAFSA from the word loan, but they're the same. One is just by the government, and one is like private. Government rates are usually lower. Right now, it's like five percent, but when my 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 one of my husband's loans is a private one, and his was like ten to thirteen percent or something like that. And I've had private ones too that were the same. One of them was even a variable rate, which is like a little scary to me. I didn't understand what the difference was. Variable means it can change with the market and fixed means it stays the same and it doesn't adjust. So you can kind of plan your payments better. Something I would also encourage is to pay the loans while you're in school. You get unsubsidized and subsidized loans or you can subsidized loans do not accrue interest while you're in school and unsubsidized loans accrue interest while you are in school which I didn't realize at the time I wish I had made some type of payment toward them even though it wasn't required and even though I was already like pretty tight on cash I th- Thought I just didn't have to pay them until six months after school which was the case I wasn't required I wasn't getting bills but what I didn't know was my balance was actually growing because I like allowed it like it was already set up and I went with it not realizing I could sort of change that so when I got out of school my debt payments were so high versus my income, I applied for income-based repayment plans because it was just, it it wasn't balancing, it wasn't averaging out, like I was coming in negative every month. There was literally no money, and I was already waitressing at night and working during the day, and I was just trying to make it all work. So I thought I had solved my problems with this income-based plan, but no, my loans grew and grew and grew and in my mind I was making my monthly payments I thought all was good so then when I saw my balance was like higher than when I started repaying that's when I like really started to delve into loans and money and I just tried to fix the awful predicament I found myself in and I didn't have any adults mentioning this like not in financial aid not the money collectors at school, not admissions, not the bank, not the people I was taking loans from, not the government, none of my family. Like I also could not tell you the total I owed because I had so many different avenues of loans and money. I didn't even know like where to find half the information. And all I can say is if you have zero dollars to contribute to your kid's loans, You can still save them thousands and thousands of dollars and so much energy and stress and fear by simply like just educating them and yourself about everything student loan related because you are going to be looking at this through the lens of having the child's best interest in mind. And I I say child because it's a teenager, like they live at home. And all these other companies and departments and paid employees in this field, their main job is making the schools or the banks money. So they take advantage of them. I used to think, and I was taught, that you should get student loans or everyone does that. Like, it's common. It's just what everyone does. But it's actually not the case. That's just what, like, everyone around me did. Only 13% of Americans have student loans. So I think that's where the fight against them being paid off comes in. It doesn't negatively affect enough people at this time. And 13% sounds really small, but 13% means 43 million young people. So it sounds a lot scarier when you say it that way. I hate hearing people complain about Young people living with parents longer or people not having babies like before. Basically, any product of youth being strapped with a bunch of debt and rising expenses. The effects of young people not buying houses, like, those are all products of this system, in my opinion. And it's like you can vote and educate others to vote to change the system if you really feel so strongly about all those things. But the average student loan debt is thirty-nine thousand and that's three hundred and ninety-three dollars a month. I'll tell you my total balance is like sixty K and the payback amount for me is like seven hundred a month. Just mine, not my husband's. I'm attempting no spend weeks every Monday so I can continue the live to live the that way with the price of life and like Activities going up, like everything being so expensive, is just so wild to me right now. My husband and I had an unplanned, like, impromptu dinner together this weekend, and the total for the dinner was like $90 after tip and everything, like taxes and all that. And we didn't even get alcohol, we drank water, and I got a Diet Coke. It was at um, Pertucci's, and I didn't have that in my head that this was like a fancy higher priced establishment but maybe my like perspective was off maybe it is last time i went to olive garden even like me my husband and my kids it was like a hundred bucks and sometimes i go to mcdonald's after baseball and the three meals mine my son's and my little guy so one of which is a happy meal the total's like 27 dollars I hear a lot of people say, might as well go out to eat. But I don't know. I don't know where everyone else is going out to eating because the cost of one meal at every sit-down place I've been in the past year is like the cost of that McDonald's dinner. Like McDonald's is still one-third the cost of going out to eat, unfortunately. It's just like everything's so higher. Even takeout. I get takeout at this, like, local bar near me, and I get a honey mustard wrap and a chicken fingers meal for the kids to split, and it's, like, $35. And even though everything is going up, I still get a, like, this year, I got a standard 3% cost of living raise increase at work. Basically, I took a pay cut, because everything else didn't just go up 3%, it went up, like, 7%. I've been there at the company I work for less than a year at raise time. So um, my raise percentage based on time was actually like two something, but they made it three the standard, which is nice. But companies are out here raising prices, but not really raising pay to match, which to me makes me see them as like, guilty of all of this in my mind, because it's not, it's not just my job doing this. It's like, all of them. When I worked for another like major coffee brand, it was during the pandemic and people were getting stimulus checks. And we had like one of those like big company zoom meetings saying it was the biggest profitable time ever. And they even mentioned on the call that they had all the big, they had all the big players from all different departments on it. And they said they thought one of the reasons for the boom is the stimulus. And it's almost like the more money people make the better companies will do but the same company that i was working for that said you know people having more money meant they got more sales the same company had a department that was like actively fighting to rate to fighting raising minimum wage in congress like to me it just feels like they were like shooting themselves in the foot I think it all started with the gas companies and it just had this crazy snowball effect. Like One company or one field raising their prices that much and causing this much chaos I feel like needs to be checked, but bills introduced to do so are denied by a specific set of people every time, so I don't see any stability coming soon. Anyway, I'm rambling moving off this topic. Might I add, I am not successful at no spend weeks. That... I have had a few wins but mostly losses I made it twice going four days without buying anything I literally have a list of things I'm going to buy before Monday so I don't spend money this week and I collect things along the week that I need to buy during the week and I try to like hold off to the weekend to buy them that way I'm not spending anything Monday through Friday And this doesn't include like actual bills that get automatically taken out of my account, but like the extras that I buy that I really don't actually need to survive. But like, for example, one of the things I put off buying last week was um, sports pictures. Like I had to take, I have like three sets of pictures for sports I had to buy and all totaled out to be like $100. So I waited till the weekend to buy it. Coffee's getting really expensive too. I went to Mary Lou's and it's like almost $5 a, uh, a coffee. And so I started buying bottled like Starbucks to keep in the fridge to drink in the morning. But even one of those is like $7. It lasts me like two or three days because uh, my husband also drinks them too. And so I'll get a, f- a couple of them. Um, and it's still like $20-ish a week, which is like 80 bucks a month. And i've been trying to do fun activities with my oldest on the weekends and those activities are all becoming expensive too like everything is over like 50 bucks but there's only so many time, like so many times i can entice the kids with the free library you know although my oldest is very into the teen room at the kingston library because of big tv and video games i stayed home with the kids monday night so i wouldn't spend any money because uh and we had like a sport of some sort literally every day this week so i wanted to stay in and like prep and rest but it ended up being even more chaotic than taking them out the house got destroyed they fought like cats and dogs the whole time i was losing my cool by 7 p.m i made dinner and anyone who makes dinner knows it's a whole fucking process It just felt like more work and more exhausting to stay in the house than to just go out and do something. Next, I want to talk about credit cards. I don't have any credit cards because in my eyes, they're kind of trouble. I try to stay away from them as far as I can, but sometimes I get suckered in by promises of perks and free nights and whatever else. I got a $250 coupon credit off a stay with Marriott if I signed up for a credit card, and I did. I typically stay at Marriott when I travel, so I thought, oh, this will be perfect. I'll rack up points. I'll get this credit, but it's $90 a year to have. Like, they're going to make way more money off me in the long run than I ever will off them. It's feeling scammy to me at this point. I have 25 nights under my Marriott account, like, since this summer. And guess how many free nights and credit discounts I've gotten with the exception of that introductory coupon when I signed up. Zero. <laughs> so if you're not staying at a hotel 20 nights a year, like, why even? And I can... I People, I think, either love or hate the credit card points. I can almost hear some people's eyes rolling through my phone right now, but I don't know. They send up like a fight or flight response in me, like a red flag gets activated. I'll always hear people talking about the points and sometimes I get really intrigued by it. I joined the Delta one because I travel a lot for work and I have yet been eligible to like purchase any flight like outright. I have like a hundred and something dollar credit from like the 15 flights I've taken this past year, but that won't even buy me a single ticket to New York City. Like, I feel like all those perks are for people who are already traveling a bunch. Like, if you are already traveling, fine, I guess. But, you know, if there's a family listening to this who like travels once a year thinking they're going to get sweet discounts and points, it's like, uh, don't hold your breath in my opinion. Like the potential for good does not outweigh the potential for bad. Or the points that get transferred back to cash. That can be a good option if you're very responsible. But I also never hear people mention the yearly cost of having those credit cards. Like the membership fees. And um, like I, I have the Capital One credit card. And that and they have like a cash back option. And I've had it for like over a decade, but it's $90 a year. So I'd have to have at least like $9,000 worth of bills on the card to maybe get that yearly fee covered. I mean, they're not all bad. Like sometimes I'll forget my debit card at home and I'm happy that I have my spare credit card. I also think if you don't have an emergency fund and an actual emergency happens, like, What else are you going to do? Credit cards to me feel like the last resort. Like, for people backed up to a wall. And sometimes the credit cards can come off a little predatory to me, honestly. Like, the ads in the mail are so gross to me and so visibly obvious. They use money psychology of those who don't have money and need money quick. So, leave's really, like... Uh, not good feelings for me like I don't want to support that industry I don't want to give that industry $90 a year but so I did just use a credit card recently my husband and I brought our credit cards to Disney because we didn't know how much we were gonna be needing we've never been we were scared especially because my husband just lost his job right before we went which was not ideal but We paid our credit card off in the first month, so that was like a nice thing having it, but it's always like feels like like a backup thing to me. So the average household has about 6000 in credit card balances. Since 2021 credit card balances have risen by 130 billion US credit card debt is 59 billion higher than the record set in 2019. The states with the number one credit card debt is Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Texas, Florida, Hawaii, Maryland and Mass was in the top 10. Everything I'm describing is a not also not people who purchase something and pay it off like that month. This is talking about people who put something on credit cards and don't pay it off within that first month so you accrue interest. Over half of all credit cards with active accounts, 50% 56% carried a balance in the third quarter of 2022. The average interest rate on a credit card is 20-something percent. And although the amount of cards that are delinquent is very low, it's like 3%. If people are making their minimums, they aren't being like recorded in this category. But if those balances are growing and the minimums are growing, this is potentially a very tricky situation. If I search credit card on my local mom's page, there's a whole thread of credit card troubles and no posts about how great the credit card points are. MLMs also give people vacations for free if you spend enough and work enough with them, but those are all misguided predatory systems too. I saw one this week where people were suggesting to a mom looking for credit card help to take from her 401k, and I wanted to scream like, that is some straight up changing your life path trajectory advice there. Like, your your checks from work will get smaller. They take it out of your checks. You'll be tied to your employer till you pay it back. Like, your freedoms, your options, they become limited. You're also robbing from your future security or even getting personal loans and things it's like you're robbing peter to pay paul like your debt's not going down it's just like moving like you're still gonna have debt if i found myself in a tricky credit card scenario i would call the company and see the options and then i would transfer the balance to a zero percent credit card so it doesn't grow and then use the snowball method to gain money back every month which is like you list your debts smallest to highest and pay them off in that order and then you take the money you gained back that month and put it towards the next one um yeah and i would cut my spending and put all my money towards that and then don't add any additional credit sometimes just not adding more credit is the best thing you can do for yourself speaking of 401k please 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 if you do not have one please consider getting one retirement can feel like something too big to deal with it's also easy to put it off because it's so far in the future. You might be trying to pay off debt or buy a house or get the kids through college, but even if you can contribute a little bit for now, it'll pay off in the long run. I get overwhelmed by thinking about it, but I'd rather have some sort of plan than nothing at all. It can seem hopeless when you're just trying to get by in like your daily life, let alone plan for the distant future. If you think, oh, I don't make enough to do that. Or maybe you think you're too old to start when you see all those charts. Like, if you put away $100 when you're 20, this is, you know, what you'll have. And you're like, oh, that would have been great 20 years ago, but now I'm screwed. Like, it's not true. Or maybe you're like, what is she even talking about? I don't even know what a 401k is. And I didn't either when I first signed up. If you do not have a job that offers it... I might not be the best resource. There are other means of investing for freelancers. You could get like an IRA. The same companies who have 401ks will typically offer that option as well. I don't have personal experience with it, so I'm not really helpful. I have nothing to share that like you probably couldn't find on Google. But you could look into companies like T. Rowe Price, Charles Schwab, and Fidelity and see what they have. Those are all the companies I've had 401ks with. If you have no idea what this is, I'll try to explain it the best I can because, honestly, I don't even really know how it all works. But you contribute a portion of your check. It's taken out automatically. I don't even see it missing. And then it's added to the market. In my brain, that's like the cloud. I have no idea what that is. Well, in the investment account, in the market, it grows, in theory. The money... You enter, should be doubled or tripled over, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. You just get free money. It grows even if you don't contribute. Like if you stop contributing and you don't add any more money, it'll still grow. And I'm not looking at my stocks all day. I'm not looking at my numbers all day. My employer hires another company to manage the account and hold the money. So I literally just do nothing. I just choose the percentage of my income I want to contribute online and I set up my account through work and whatever company my work has employed to do the 401ks, they just kind of take it over. So looking at T. Rowe Price's retirement calculator, if you are 35, you need to have one to one and a half times your income saved to be ready for retirement. So, if you make 60K a year, you'll need to have 60K in your retirement. But don't let this scare you because I also don't have one to one and a half times my salary in my 401k. I'm 34 with like 40 something thousand in my retirement. Uh, I forget the exact amount. And it's like estimated to be like 5,000 a month when I retire at 67, which is about what I take home a month now, like after everything is taken out. I'll have over a million dollars total, but my calculator says I need $2.6 million. So it's easy to see that and freak out, but I'm doing the best I can. I'm investing. I will have some money. And, you know, while I have kids, uh, this is what all I can really do right now. Maybe I can get more aggressive later in life, especially as my income goes up, the percentage, like how much I contribute will go up and I'll probably earn more at some point and I won't have as much debt when I'm older I'm hoping I'm hoping to not have a mortgage and the kids will be out on their rounds so I'm hoping my expenses will decrease and I really won't need as much and hopefully my husband is around who will also have a million dollars in his retirement too. The calculator tells me I need to contribute 400 more a month to be on target to get $6,000 6000 a month and you know that's just me that's not my husband included. I use the calculator on Mass Mutual. if you want to look yours up too. If I was to take the money out right now I would have to pay federal and state taxes at my current tax rate and I would have a 10% early withdrawal fee on top of that but people do take this out when they fall on hard times or to pay off other debts When I look online at my scoring of my retirement plan, it like rates your contributions by needs attention, fair, good, and on target. Mine says needs attention, like I'm in the red. Hopefully there's still social security and Medicaid when I retire if a certain group of people don't vote it out and deplete it for people who have contributed to their whole lives. So that will also be added to my predicted 5k a month. I don't want to solely rely on that due to the payments being so low and people actively trying to cut it in Congress. Looking up retirement in U.S. seems I am not the only one behind. About 55% of Americans are not contributing enough to their retirement. People are also needing to work longer in life, according to AARP, Women in particular are working more and longer between 1975 and 1993. About a quarter of females age 55 or older were working, but by 2013, this figure increased to 35.1%. Also, the life expectancy is growing. Men are expected to live until 84, and women are expected to live until 86, and this was interesting to me people born in 2007 are expected to live until over a hundred but according to the urban institute the percentage of those age 55 to 54 reporting fair or poor health between 1992 and 2010 increased from 17 to 22 percent as diabetes has become more common so we're living longer but we're not exactly living healthier The U.S. Government Accountability Office found that about half of households approaching retirement age 55 and older had no retirement savings in a defined contribution plan or an IRA, and half of households age 65 and older relied on Social Security for most of their retirement income. The median amount for the 48% of households 55 and older that had some retirement savings was 109,000. About 55% of households ages 55 to 64 had less than 25,000 in retirement savings and 41% had zero. The Government Accountability Office found that marital status changes Uh, such as divorce and widowhood near retirement had more pronounced negative effects on women's retirement income than on men's. Nearly three-fourths of men age 65 and older are married compared with only half of older women. Unmarried older women are three times more likely to be impoverished than married couples and roughly 1.5 times more likely to be impoverished than unmarried men. More Americans are carrying more debt longer than ever before. And according to the Urban Institute, the number of adults age 65 and older with household debt increased from 30 to 44% between 1998 and 2012. The number of older households with outstanding mortgage debt grew from 16% to 24%. And the prevalence of other types of debt, including credit card debt, has also grown over time. The median debt level among older adults has increased 74% over this time. Stressful to think about. Like, my goal is to save money, get as much free money as I can, simplify my accounts and expenses and money situation so I don't have to think about it too much, and I don't have as much stress. I don't want to have any debt to worry about. I want to try to stay healthy and active. I mostly just don't want to be a burden on my children, really. Like, that is my main life-growing-old goal. Like, one day I want to get into real estate, I think. Like, buy a triple-decker and rent it out. But I have some moral feelings around it I need to work through. And I would need bigger down payments and savings for repair. I need to get to a better place where the investment wouldn't feel so risky. Right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable while paying like my student loans and that I could cover expenses if I didn't have tenants. Like I, I don't think I'd be able to pay for a whole other house without someone's help. So I'm not really ready to travel down that road. I don't want that stress. I'm already at max level stress right now as it is. I do own a home, which... People debate doing that for wealth purposes too. But I like the idea of not having to pay a monthly payment to live somewhere when I'm older. Especially because rent right now is as high as my 15-year mortgage in a lot of places. Like if you rent, your housing bill will never go away. And I doubt rent ever gets lower. I don't know though. That would be a good like thing for me to look up. And I want to reiterate that owning a home is not a mark of like adulthood or like financial security and wealth like people make it out to be. It can be a total money suck and at a time, it can be a time suck too, like with maintenance, not just the money aspect. So enjoy your renting if that's what you do. Like don't let anyone make you feel less than because I feel like my friends that don't own homes can sometimes feel that way, but nothing is real. All these rules and ideas are all made up by everyone, like random people. Like I sometimes like to fantasize about renting and just think about living without having so much debt. Like I have like 240000 left on my house to pay still and it feels... A little heavy to me so if i sold my house and got rid of my student loans and rented and didn't owe the world a dime like i love the idea of that feeling or like what i imagine that feeling feels like it's like my ultimate goal to get to that feeling in real life last thing i wanted to mention is credit scores and how to maybe boost them if that's something you need right now or you're interested in I see this come up a lot in my mom's page I'm like I'm no expert but according to credit karma I am an 815 credit score so I must be doing something right so I thought I'd share I think the only like real one and only trick if you can say that I did air quotes for that is that most the most basic and boring strategy I think to boost your credit is time. Although I will mention a method for a bit of a quicker boost. Like the main driver to your score is on-time payments. The more proof that you can make uh, that you can pay payments, the better. Always make the minimum payments on all your bills. Don't skip paying some bills to try to pay more on others to close those accounts faster or like in your debt snowball. Always pay the minimums and even if you can't make the minimum make something every month and then pay down your credit just keep plugging away and as the balance decrease the debt score will increase when i went to disney i had like 2500 on my card my credit card yikes my score shot down like when it kind of caught up on my credit karma And um, I paid it off in that month and it went right back up, which is nice. But um, why it shot down was I had taken out like more than 30% of the available credit on that card. And it was pushing up to like a higher percentage of my total available credit. So spending these larger amounts in one time will um, shoot it down. But it'll go back up when you pay it. And don't open any other credit because that could also negatively affect your score and land you with high interest rates if your credit already isn't great. But this is a tip that I've read a lot and I just tried to find it on the I found it on the Capital One credit card so I feel like it must be real. I have not tried it but if you can if you have a trusted family member or loved one that's willing to do this you can become an authorized user on one of their cards if they have good credit. Um, so, like if your spouse has good credit, they can kind of share it if they add it, they add you to their card. And um, this will allow you to make purchases, but maybe you don't, you're just like on it. But the primary account holder is ultimately responsible for payments and. Like, their responsible use can help build your credit and boost your score. Um, Plus, there's generally no credit check or need to apply in order to be an authorized user. I use Credit Karma to track my credit, but something I don't like about the app is it has a bunch of ads to take out loans, and the rates are horrible. I have an 815 score, and the current ad showing on my app is... For a personal loan with a nine percent interest rate which seems really high to me and like that's higher than one of my student loans it also says i can refinance with a home equity loan of 100k and it would it would raise my mortgage to 325 over thousand over 30 years at an eight percent interest like that would be so horrible for me like so i just try to ignore all those ads Sometimes I feel like people complicate their financial issues or do something to just do something when they really don't know what to do, but they know they have a problem and they just like do things to try to fix it. I'm very much like a simplif I take very much a simplification approach. Like I just try to make it as easy as possible, like into automating bills, just trying to eliminate bills, having less bills to worry about every month. Having more income so I don't have to check my bank account on mortgage day. Just like low stress. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm trying. I'm getting closer. Like that's all I can do. Something I want to look into one day is like a financial coach or a financial advisor. But I just don't have the time or brain space for that right now. So I just listen to money podcasts for free and take what I can get. If you haven't seen it, I would watch How to Get Rich on Netflix. Uh, the host talks about debt, homeownership, credit cards, MLMs, like just a really wide range of topics. And so many people with different money circumstances that you are b- probably bound to relate to one of them in some way. Except maybe the one with 25000 a month in child support. That one's a little, like, hard to relate to. But confronting your money situations makes it seem less scary. To me, at least. Like, I can't fix something that I don't know anything about. So I hope this got your wheels turning about money. Look up some money manifesting YouTube videos. Visualize the feelings you want to feel and the life you want. And create a plan to figure it all out. Maybe download Credit Karma. See where your credit is. Um, It lists out all your debts and things. Maybe start a debt snowball method. I love Dave Ramsey. I would definitely listen to his podcast and look up his baby steps if you're just getting started. That's what ultimately got me into looking and planning my money. Money is so scary. It comes with a lot of shame. The best thing you can do for yourself is just become aware of it. Make a list of all the bills and balances Once you have the information organized in front of you, like only then can you do something with it and take control of it. No matter how bad it seems or maybe how bad it really is, it gets less scary the more you learn and familiarize yourself with it. I have no idea what I'm doing but I'm in a place where I can breathe and I wish myself right now could go back in time and talk to myself when I was 20. (laughs) So hopefully... You got something out of this. I just want us all living our best, stress-free, financial secure lives. Thank you for letting me be a part of your week. I'll be back with another episode next Monday. Not sure what I'm going to talk about, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. I'll see you soon.